This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up and welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sallerson. Hope this Monday finds you well. Thanks for making us a part of your day and hope you had a great weekend around the Crescent City. A little cold, some rain, but nonetheless, hope it was a great one. If you went to WrestleMania last night at the Superdome like I did, hope you enjoyed it. It's been a crazy weekend here with everything going on in the French Quarter. And now it gets even crazier for the New Orleans Pelicans. First off, what a win on Saturday night against the Golden State Warriors, 126 to 120, one of the one of the probably the best games I've seen from this team since I've been here, and this is my seventh season. Just an overall clutch performance by guys like Anthony Davis, Nikola Mirotic, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, even Etwan Moore stepped up. I mean, all five starters in double figures. You beat a Warriors team that's locked into the two seed. They don't have Steph Curry, but still a very dangerous team. The Pelicans came in there knowing that it was important to get the win. And they did. Can you imagine? Because the Pelicans got no help on Saturday from other teams. If the Pelicans would have lost that game, they'd be in ninth right now heading into tonight's game against the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, things are a little different. It's simple. You win tonight, you're in the postseason. You win one of these last two, the Pelicans have clinched a playoff berth. Now, granted, if you lose one of these last two, you might not be looking at the fifth seed as you are right now. So these last two games are still super important, and the Clippers have been eliminated from playoff contention after losing to the Nuggets on Saturday afternoon, so we're not sure yet who will play for Los Angeles. I just heard that Danilo Gallinari will be out for the rest of the season, which is two games, but will they sit DeAndre Jordan? Will they sit Lou Williams, Austin Rivers because uh, of injuries or just rest? The fact that there's only two games to go and you don't want your better players to be hurt heading into the regular season. So we'll hear from Dave Pash, who will be on the call tonight for the NBA on ESPN. We'll get his thoughts on tonight's game, the Wild Wild West, and also his thoughts on the Pelicans heading into these final two games. And then we'll turn our attention to football. Our NFL draft preview continues with pick number five today. We'll head out west to the Mile High City in Denver, Colorado. Andrew Mason, who hosts Orange and Blue 760 out there in Denver, he'll join Cindy Robinson to talk about what the Broncos might do at pick number five. So we're taking you picks one through ten, and then we'll go to our NFC South friends to find out what they might be doing come NFL draft, which is just a couple weeks away. Can you imagine Pelicans make the playoffs? You have Pelicans playoffs, Saints in the draft. Unbelievable. So it should be a fun couple weeks here in New Orleans. All right, so we have a great show for you today. Again, we'll talk Pelicans a lot. We'll talk with Dave Pash next, and then Cindy Robinson with Andrew Mason. Don't you go anywhere. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now's the time to get off the bench and join Pelican Squad 6 for the 2018-19 season. 
Season tickets for the Pelicans are available for as low as $550 and include many perks for these loyal fans, such as access to VIP events, experiences, and a bunch more. Plus, commit before April 11th to get in before the early bird price discount ends. For more info on joining Squad 6, call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. As I mentioned in our first segment, the Pelicans have a chance to clinch a spot in the postseason with a win tonight against the Clippers. On the call for that game on ESPN will be Dave Cash, who is kind enough to join me this morning from Los Angeles. Good morning, Dave. Glad to have you back on the podcast. Good to be on. Thanks. No problem. Dave, before we get into the Pelicans, I want to start with the Wild Wild Western Conference. Do you remember a time where there were still four spots open with just three days to go in the regular season? Yeah, and just and not just that. I mean, you got opportunity for you know movement too among those teams. I mean, Portland for a while looked like you know it was going to be the three seed no matter what, and there's still you know a possibility that you know that that may not be the case depending on what happens with Utah. Uh, it's really interesting that you know the Pelicans not only can miss the playoffs but they can get home court. I mean, there's just so much room for movement here over the next three days is going to make it really interesting to watch. Out of the five teams in the West that still haven't clinched, which is New Orleans, OKC, San Antonio, Minnesota, and Denver, which team has the most pressure on them to make the postseason? Well, that's a really good question, the most pressure. Wow. Uh, I think every team that that is in there has pressure for different reasons. You know, for San Antonio, the pressure is, well, you know, they've been to the playoffs 20 straight years. If they miss the playoffs and the uncertain future of Kawhi Leonard, you know, is this the last of the Spurs as we know it? For New Orleans, you know, is there a chance that there are some changes with either the coaching staff or the front office if they miss the playoffs? What does Boogie Cousins do in the offseason? Uh, for OKC, you put together this team with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, you know, if they miss the playoffs. I and mean, I think Paul George... Uh, most people assume he's gone anyway, but, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, if they make the playoffs, get home court and make a run, maybe he stays. So what happens if they miss? For Minnesota, you know, it's been so long, you know, 14 years since they made the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, healthy enough. You know, if they, if they miss the playoffs, you know, it's another disappointing year. And then for Denver, again, I think, you know, maybe there's, some, you know, a chance of a coaching change. If they miss the playoffs, they play great down the stretch just to get in. So I think for for a lot of reasons, everybody's got a little pressure. Yeah, I believe so. I think you're exactly right on that. Uh, the Golden State Warriors have locked up the 2C, but have struggled without Steph Curry, plus the injury bug has hit them pretty hard. Are you concerned at all with how they will enter the playoffs, especially with Curry potentially missing the first round? You know, for so long I kept dismissing it, but I think you have to be a little concerned. 7-9 uh, and nine in the last 16 games, no Steph for the first round. And it just is more apparent watching them play that, you know, Steph is, is that important to them. Um, so not that we didn't think he was important, but maybe even more so than we realized. And, you know, the way Houston has played, you know, for the most part all year, I think you have to be a little concerned with Golden State. Uh, can they flip that switch and get back what they had earlier in the year or really last year? I mean, they, it's been so rare that all their guys have been healthy and playing together. Um, I think they're they're talented enough that they can still win the title. But I think for the first time, you know, you've got a lot of people with some doubts. Yep, I 
completely agree there. The Pelicans are coming off their biggest win of the season, in my opinion, Saturday night against Golden State in Oakland. They're now one win away from clinching a playoff berth, as I mentioned. While doing your game prep and watching some of their games recently, what has impressed you the most about the Pels? Well, first first of all, obviously, Anthony Davis and just how great of a player he is. Um, you know, the more you watch him, the more you fall in love with everything that he does. And in terms of versatility and um, just the number of boxes that he checks, I mean, I think you have to put him up there with LeBron in terms of, you know, the most versatile guys in the league and the number of things that he can do. And then I think, too, just the importance of Rondo, you know, just the other night and the 17 assists and, um, you know, in holiday and the kind of year that he's had. Uh, I think, you know, obviously the concern is can you play eight guys and, you know, and make it through, um, you know, with not getting a ton from your bench. Can their role players um, catch fire? You know, even if they make the playoffs, can Anthony Davis carry them? I think a lot, obviously, will depend on who they play. You want to avoid seven and eight. I mean, even without Steph Curry, the chances of winning a series there are unlikely. So can you get, you know, can you stay in this position where you're playing, you know, Portland, if things are, you know, the playoffs started today. If you play Portland or Utah, obviously you have a much better chance against one of those two teams. So, you know, Utah, in a similar way to New Orleans, uh, they just have found a way to get it done. Um, I, I mean, New Orleans has a superstar player. Utah doesn't have a superstar, but they've got star potential uh, with uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and Gobert, obviously, is so important to them. And then Portland, you've got the great backcourt, um, but, you know, can Nurkic be that guy up front for them in the playoffs? He only played one playoff game last year because of injury. So uh, I think the Pelicans, because of Anthony Davis and Rondo and Holiday, kind of their new big three, uh, they can they could still make some noise in the playoffs if they get in, if they can somehow avoid seven or eight. I want to go back to what you talked about with Anthony Davis and how versatile he's been and how he's been huge for New Orleans this season. But I also think that he's made a big step as far as his leadership. I remember that interview with Rachel Nichols by the All-Star break talking about carrying the team on his back. Have you seen a different AD as far as you know that leadership and that mentality of, you know, this is my team and there's, there's got to be games that I can take over just by myself? You know, it's probably unfair for me to answer that until I see him tonight in person because we have not had, I've not had them all year. Uh, it seems that way. It's apparent um, in watching, but I think it's really hard until you're there and watching the communication on the floor, watching the communication in between uh, action during timeouts, and also getting a chance to talk with Alvin and seeing what he has to say about it. But it seems that way, doesn't it, that uh, that he has become more of a leader? And, look, he has to be. You know, that uh, when you miss the playoffs, you know, the last couple of years and your only, you know, time in the playoffs, you were swept, even though it wasn't Anthony Davis's fault, obviously. You know, they were fortunate just to get in that year. You know, that, I think there's got to be some pressure because, you know, the great players in the league are are – you know, it's all based on how you do in the playoffs. And while Anthony Davis is still young, um, I mean, you see guys getting injured. You know, Anthony's had some issues with injuries. You just don't know how many more chances you're going to get, how long you're going to be able to go. So, you know, I think he has to be a leader for them. Yeah, no doubt about that. Lastly, let's talk about tonight's game against the Clippers. The Clippers were eliminated on Saturday afternoon from playoff contention, but Doc Rivers came out and said, you know, he wants to protect the league. He's, you know, wants to play spoiler. He's not going to rest some guys, but 
When you open up the broadcast tonight, Dave, what will be your main storyline that kind of sets the scene for tonight's action? Well, I think the obvious that you have so many teams battling for a playoff spot, and the Pelicans are one of them, and it's not just that. They're still in a position to, to move and move up and not just squeak in, but you know, avoid having to play Houston or Golden State in the first round. Um, and then, you know, they're doing it, uh, obviously, on the coattails of a superstar player. Um, and I think, you know, the Clippers, it'll be interesting because, yeah, Doc said that, uh, you know, he's going to play it. You know, he owes it to the league to, to play. But, you know, if Lou Williams can't, isn't playing and Austin Rivers doesn't play and DeAndre Jordan doesn't play because of injury, I mean, you're not going to put guys out there that are, you know, borderline hurt. It's just not fair to those guys. So, you know, I don't know how many of the guys will actually see tonight, but if you're in New Orleans, that doesn't matter. I mean, you still can miss. You know, if you lose both games and Minnesota or Denver wins both, I mean, you, you still can miss the playoffs. So, you know, obviously for the Pelicans, they have to play the way they did against the Warriors the other night and then close it out on Wednesday. Yeah, very important. Two games here for New Orleans starting tonight with the Clippers. That's Dave Pash. We'll be on the call tonight for the NBA on ESPN. Dave, I really appreciate the time. Have a great call tonight and hope to talk to you again come postseason. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right, Take we'll care. turn our attention to football. Cindy Robinson will talk to Andrew Mason about the Broncos. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. What is big? Big is DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. Fire and ice, boogie in the brow. It's two of the league's most dynamic big men. It's razor wire around the rim on defense and a powder keg offense ignited by explosive ball handling. See the Pels play the San Antonio Spurs Wednesday, April 11th at our fantastic finale. First 9,000 fans get a free raise on Rondo bobblehead. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Let's turn our attention to football now. Our draft preview continues and we're headed to the Mile High City with the Broncos at pick number five. We're now joined by senior digital reporter for Broncos.com and the host of Orange and Blue 760, Andrew Mason. Andrew, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Okay, so let's jump into free agency and all the moves that the Broncos have made. Recently, you guys um, added on Sue Cravens and Marquette King, both really talented athletes. And I want to know from you how you feel like they're going to, I guess, help the team. <laughs> Well, we'll start with Sua Craven, and he's not going to start in all likelihood, but he's going to play a very important role, likely, in the Broncos sub-package, which has dime personnel, but uses one of the three safeties that they have in, effectively as another linebacker. And so it looks like Sua Cravens is going to fit in in that sub-package, which the Broncos will probably use on at least 50% of their snaps. And he would line up next to uh, Brandon Marshall, who's been uh, a starting inside linebacker for them over the past few seasons. And with Cravens, he's coming into what's only going to be his second year because, of course, he was out of football right. uh, last season. He, he was on the uh, reserve, reserve list uh, for the Washington Redskins. Right. So the Broncos are getting a guy that they had a first-round grade on in the draft back in 2016. They're getting him in. He's going to contribute immediately in a key sub-package, and he still has upside. The thing that he'll do that the Broncos, or they hope he'll do, that the Broncos have struggled at is covering running backs and tight ends right. uh, getting downfield. That's been a trouble spot for the Broncos, even in the 2015 and into the 2016 season when the defense was at a predominant level. That was sort of the soft underbelly was you could beat running backs coming out of the backfield, could beat them. There was a great example of that against Atlanta back in October of 2016 uh, when the Falcons really shredded the Broncos with their backs coming out and catching passes, and Denver did not really have an answer. They feel like Cravens can be an answer, maybe develop into an every-down player at some point in his contract. Marquette King coming over from the, from the Raiders. Of course, the Raiders let him go. The Broncos... They had Riley Dixon, who had a good rookie season back in 2016, but he didn't build on that. His net average dropped dropped a little bit in his second season, so his trajectory was not upward as they'd like. Denver also has a new special teams coordinator, Tom McMahon, who comes over from the Indianapolis Colts. Last year, the Broncos were awful on special teams. I believe they ranked number 31 in uh, the Rick Gosselin uh, special teams rankings. Uh, he does that for the Dallas Morning News. And that was an area they clearly wanted to upgrade across the board. And also, they brought in competition at kicker. They brought in competition at long snapper. So the fact they'd make a change at punter isn't surprising. Now, they weren't planning on doing that, but then the Raiders made Marquette King available. Broncos felt like they had to pounce. Marquette King wants to come to Denver. I think part of it is, A, he wants to get one back on his division rival, the Raiders, and B, punting half your games at 5,280 feet above sea level. That's going to help his numbers. And if Marquette King can take advantage of the altitude in Denver and continue what he did elsewhere. Now you're talking about an all-pro partner. Right. Okay, so I want to change my our talk really quickly towards quarterback because you talked about competition and the Broncos added Case Keenum. Now, do you see him being competition with Paxton Lynch or do, Lynch, sorry, or do you feel like it's going to be a situation where Case is going to come in and start Oh, Case Keenum's clearly the starter. Okay. No, they, they signed him 
to be the starter for the 2018 season. The question now is if the Broncos add another quarterback because, of course, right. Keenum is on a two-year contract. So, you know, that's not something where you're tying your long-term future to him. And so you're sitting there at number five. Yes. One of those top four quarterbacks in the draft might be there if the Broncos decide not to trade down. Do they decide to kind of go the Philadelphia route back in 2016? Of course, they had Sam Bradford in there, and they had signed Chase Daniel to back up Sam Bradford. But then they still went ahead, traded up, and picked Carson Wentz. And at the time, I think there was some thought that, oh, that's a lot to put in the quarterback position, uh, kind of overcommitting a little bit. But until you know who your your long-term guy is, you really can't kind of put too much into it. And as a result, if the Broncos are sitting there at five, even with Case Keenum, they may still pick Baker Mayfield if he's there or Josh Rosen if he's there or Josh Allen if he's there. So, and then you have Paxton Lynch, and, he, and he's, he, he's been a little bit slow in terms of how he's come along. It hasn't always been there. There were some promising things that he did uh, in, his, in the final game of the 2017 regular season starting against the Chiefs. But the progress has been, I think, slower than the Broncos would have hoped. And so you're starting to wonder, okay, is he going to take that next step? And the other thing, when you're looking at the quarterbacks this year and comparing them, say, with Paxton Lynch, who you have on your roster, do you think that one of these top five guys potentially is better than, in terms of his, of his potential than what you have in Paxton Lynch? That's the question the Broncos are going to have to answer. Certainly, there are going to be suitors that may want to uh, trade with the Broncos and give the, uh, the Denver some good options of trading down perhaps, but but the Broncos are looking hard at quarterbacks. They are having individual visits this month with all of the perceived top four quarterbacks, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. Uh, they had a huge contingent at Baker at the pro days of Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, uh, another big contingent at the Wyoming pro day. And they didn't have a big contingent at Sam Darnold's pro day, but then they had a private workout with him last week in Los Angeles. So they're doing their homework and then some on all of those guys. And they actually coached Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen in the senior bowl. So while, you know, so while Case Keenum's clearly the starter going in for this year, it doesn't mean the Broncos aren't going to take the quarterback at number five. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, you mentioned a lot there about trading. Now, according to NFL.com, John Elway has made 20 draft day trades over the last seven drafts. So what are the chances that Denver entertains the idea of trading their first pick uh, i think there it's pretty high although if if they decide that one of these quarterbacks is the guy there could be a trade and it could be a trade up even with the new york giants i think what the broncos have right now is a lot of options and by what they did in free agency and also moves around that adding to a craven trading for rights for jared Deldier, who's going to be their right tackle that was an issue last year denver at least goes into the draft without any huge gaping holes in its starting lineup. So the Broncos have the option of saying, well, maybe we could trade down. Maybe we could, and maybe we could trade up if we think that we need to kind of, you know, overcommit to quarterbacks and have a, and have a potential surplus knowing that as Philadelphia did in 2016, you can trade the surplus. I think there's a lot of possibilities out there for the Broncos and it may well come down to uh, to draft night before uh, they decide which way they're going to go or if they stand pat. Well, other than quarterback, what other positions do the Broncos need to address? 
Well, I think offensive line, you still maybe want to bolster that a little bit. It's in a better spot than it was last year. You have you have three guys, I think, that, that, you know, that are really known commodities to them. Garrett Bowles at left tackle, who they picked last year, and mm-hmm. they're going to continue to have him at left tackle and, and see how he continues to develop. Ron Leary, a free agent signing last year at left guard. Matt Paradis, he's a restricted free agent, but he's expected back at center. Uh, at right guard, they like Connor McGovern, a guy they picked two years ago uh, out of Missouri, and he's candidly the guy, but you could see the Broncos look for the trade and kind of push McGovern or maybe find a, someone who could push him out of the starting lineup, depending on how things go. And then, of course, Veldier, he's in the last year of his contract at, at right tackle. Uh, that's, that's an area Denver could look to upgrade. So offensive line. Uh, tight end is an interesting spot. They drafted Jake Butt out of Michigan last year in the fifth round and then basically took a red shirt year on him because he was recovering from a 20 ACL that he had in Michigan's bowl game. He's back up to speed. They're expecting him to be a big part of that, but if they decide to add something to position just in case Butts doesn't, Butt doesn't respond and recovering from the 20 ACL, that's a position they could look at. They'd like to get, they'd like to upgrade number three receiver behind Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, so they could be in play for one there. And then you have the defensive side. Defensive line is, is an area they could look at. Uh, Domata Pecco, uh, he's their starting nose tackle, but you know he's in his mid-30s. He's in the last year of his contract. The Broncos could look for an option at nose tackle. Maybe Vita Vea could be on Denver's radar if the Broncos trade down from the five spot. Uh, they could have looked for another uh, pat, another edge rusher on the outside to compliment uh, to compliment Von Miller and uh, and bolster the depth behind with Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett and cornerback. Of course, they traded Keith Lee to the Los Angeles Rams, mm-hmm. so they they signed Tremaine Brock to to fill in there as well, and he can be a number three corner behind Chris Harris Jr. and Bradley Roby. But Denver could also be looking at cornerback at some point in the draft. I expect they would will draft a cornerback at some point early in the draft. So if they decide not to go quarterback for whatever reason because we like we said we know this is a quarterback heavy draft but if they decide not to go quarterback in the first round who could you see them going after could definitely see them taking a long hard look at bradley chubb uh at number five if he's there if they go defensive back i think they'll do their homework on minka fitzpatrick out of alabama and denzel ward out of ohio state uh fitzpatrick of course he's kind of an interesting role because he can is he a safety is he is he a corner is he some combination of both it, he, he's fascinating, and because he doesn't fit where, well in one or the other, that might push him down a little bit, but I think he'll be on the on the radar. And if Saquon Barkley is sitting there at number five, right? <laughs> even though the Broncos don't really have a big need at running back, that's one that I think they would have to think long and hard about him. Right. And, I mean, the Broncos are in a position, like you said, at this point to choose the best available and not necessarily what they absolutely need, right? Yeah, and that's that was their goal going into March, going into the new league year and the free agent period, was make sure that they've got a viable lineup to where they don't have to pick a guy specifically for a position. They don't have to say, okay, we need a left tackle. Like last year, they went in the draft, they need a left tackle. And so they picked Garrett Bowles, number 20. This year, they can look at their starting 22-plus key rotational guys, you know, such, such as your, you know, your, your – Number three cornerback, your your dime safety slash linebacker, uh, in, in, an extra interior pass rusher, and then and even on offense, the number three receiver is something they need to fill. But they do have some inter- interior options, in, internal options. Pardon me, including Carlos Henderson out of Louisiana Tech, who spent last year on injured reserve with a thumb injury in the preseason. 
that he's going to be in the mix fighting for position there, and he could be an option as a number three receiver. So the roster right now, they don't have any glaring holes as far as being able to put together a solid starting 22-plus key rotational guys. So they really can pick the best available player. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. We appreciate your insight, and we'll definitely be looking out to see what the Broncos do with that number five pick. My pleasure. You have a great day. You too. That was Andrew Mason from the DenverBroncos.com and Orange and Blue 760. Back to you, Daniel. Thank you very much, Cindy. Our NFL draft preview will take us to Indianapolis on Wednesday, where the Colts sit there at pick number six. All right, tonight, Pelicans and Clippers, 9.30 p.m. Central start on ESPN and also News Talk 99.5 WRNO. Sean Kelly and John DeShazer will have the call. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you starting at 9 o'clock. Take a nap, get some extra coffee, send some to the Smoothie King Center where I will be until about 1 a.m., and hopefully we're watching the Pelicans clinch a playoff spot for the first time in three years. And then on Wednesday, we'll talk about the Pelicans and the Spurs and the fantastic finale. And hopefully we're just talking about seeding, where the Pelicans can be come Wednesday, not worry about a playoff berth, which hopefully will be clinched tonight. Big thanks to Cindy Robinson, Andrew Mason, Dave Pash will be on the call tonight for ESPN. And until Wednesday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for staying up late. Well, I'm hoping you stay up late. And thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue.